Hello, my name is Kate Gingell, and you're listening to the Remarkableness Podcast. Today, I'm with the remarkable Joshua Resco. Joshua practices Bowen therapy, craniosacral therapy, teaches meditation classes, and offers bioptron light therapy at the Whole Being Health Centre in Roseville, in Sydney. He's also the former president of the Bowen Association of Australia. Growing up on fast food and pharmaceuticals in Southern California and continuing on with a fit but unhealthy lifestyle as an airman in the US Air Force, Joshua fortunately discovered meditation and a whole new world of natural health and complementary therapies beginning in 1997. Since then, he's been inspired to help others discover and bring about a greater sense of well-being and natural health in their own lives. So Joshua, thank you for being on the Remarkableness podcast today. Um, one of the things I noticed about you, I've known you for several years now, but that, that I noticed immediately was that you emanate this kind of calm. Um, has that always been part of who you are? Have you always had this wonderful calm aura around you? Uh, well, I, I would say I probably first, other people started commenting on it, probably in my early 20s. Right. Uh, I think as a younger man, I wasn't, um, I wasn't that calm. So it's, I guess it's mainly since I've really um, been uh, introduced to a more sort of complementary natural lifestyle and um, sort of meditating myself mm-hmm. um, that uh, it's kind of been able to just come through more naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where did you grow up? What a little bit about your background. Yes, um, so I grew up in San Diego, California. It's a beautiful, mm. beautiful spot. It's uh, termed uh, America's finest city because it's got the, the best weather year-round in, in the U.S., they Fabulous. say. Uh, <laughs> and um, so it's a very relaxed sort of uh, place. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's probably contributed a bit to my kind of mm. calmness, easygoing nature. Yeah. Yes. And what so at what stage and what age did you come to Australia? Because I believe you were in the army before, is that right? Uh, I was in the Air Force, in US the Air, Air Force. Force. And so what were you doing? What, what did you do yeah. for them? Well, <laughs> yes, I was in. I, I was in. Had a trained in IT in the Air Force. Right. Um, really good training. Got to live in different countries, uh, and yeah, really kind of expanded my world considerably. So it was. Uh, even though I really didn't care for the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, in itself, it really provided some very good opportunities, and um, yeah. So I uh, was in the military for about seven and a half years. Right. Okay. Yeah. okay. So what brought you to Australia? Was that part? Was that part of it? Did you yes. come with the Air Force originally? Or? No. Well, no. actually, uh, yeah. I was uh, I was stationed in South Korea, mm-hmm. and I there was a, a seminar that I wanted to attend in, in Australia, mm. and I wouldn't have thought of actually going. Um, but the, uh, the thought that, oh, well, I'm going to be going living in Korea soon, I'll just take leave. And I did. I, I came out to Australia a couple of times mm-hmm. while I was stationed in Korea. And, um, yeah, so that was the start. Right. And yeah. you fell in love with it and decided you wanted to move here. Yeah, well, I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, my second time out, I did meet uh, an Australian woman. And right. um, we were eventually married in England. Oh, so really? I went from Korea to being stationed in England mm-hmm. and was there for about four years and um, after I finished my term 
in England, we yeah, we came back and settled in Australia. In Sydney. In Sydney, mm. and that was about fourteen years ago. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so, while you were in, did you fly then as well in the air, or were you on the ground in the IT? No, but just were, IT. Were, <laughs> I've only actually I've only been in a military plane once. Right. Okay. <laughs> Never again. Yeah. Well, there's only time they let me. So. <laughs> Yeah. So while you were so while you were in the Air Force, did you have already a kind of leaning towards, um, I suppose, complementary, alternative, holistic well-being? Yeah, mm. absolutely. Um, so I was really searching f- for that from about the age of nineteen. Right. Um, and yeah, uh, I joined. I was in the military from from eighteen years old, and um, probably because of leaving my family leaving mm. everything and entering this whole new life I, you know I think I was a bit kind of anxious mm. and was really looking for something that would help and um, and that was the seminar that I went to uh, that I came to Australia for it was a, it was a long um, meditation um, seminar with a spiritual teacher mm-hmm. and um, yeah that really started to open up I'm curious I mean so did that come from you because there are a lot of you wouldn't necessarily, you know, put the two together going into the Air Force One, but actually looking for something like meditation because you were anxious as opposed to, I don't know, going out with the boys and getting drunk or whatever instead. Or, yeah. I mean, what, what was, did you have, did you have a guidance on that at all? Or was it just something that was kind of an inner? Yeah, well, it's, I, I think it was in me. I think as a young man, I was really, um, highly into Christianity, so right. there was that kind of spiritual side. Mm-hmm. But then, at the age of sixteen, um, yeah, I realized that I needed something more broad. And um, yeah, so for a few years, I was kind of in you know, no man's land until mm-hmm. I started, um, yeah, really discovering you know, these uh, meditation and mm-hmm. more spiritual rather than kind of rather than religious yeah. sort of. Yeah. Um, viewpoints yeah yeah and it's just kind of grown and mm. developed okay. from there yeah. and your actual business and that's start i know that we'll, and we'll talk about the meditation um classes a bit later on but bowen bowen therapy is really where you started in the kind of holistic field now and bowen is b-o-w-e-n as opposed to bone therapy which is what i when i first met you i thought that's what you did and i'm sure that's quite common it is um yes. but it, can you explain a little bit to um, our listeners what Bowen therapy is? Yes. Well, uh, yeah, I originally got it, um, came across it in 2000. I had a, a shoulder um, issue. I was still in the military. And, um, yeah, it was actually suggested that I see a Bowen therapist, not mm-hmm. by the military. but um, And I was just very impressed with it. Uh, it was, uh, I hadn't really come across any sort of modality or healing treatment like that where not only it helped, did it help the shoulder, but I really had a, a real sense of well-being mm-hmm. that, that I felt. And I was like, wow, I haven't really felt this from, from anything before. So, yeah, it really inspired me. And um, I kept the possibility open. was looking into two, a few different things. And, um, yes, when I got out of the military and settled into Australia, I started um, started learning Bowen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's, um, yeah, it's just been remarkable. It's really... Uh, fantastic modality it's really able to help in um, ways that other therapies aren't mm. or, or, or can't because it's it works in a, it works in a different way 
I, I mean, I've been to you several times. My daughter certainly came to you. I'm just trying to think what the boys did as well. But um, And it helped enormously, again, shoulder actually and headaches as well. Um, mm. But it's actually dealing, it's working with the fascia, isn't, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, how does bone work? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> that was the question. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's something I, I explain to every new client coming in because um, because it does work differently. Um, so basically with bone, it's, it's a very gentle technique. Um, we just do gentle rolling movements over, diff- over fascia, muscles, tendons. and But how it's different than massage or chiropractic is that um, rather than trying to manually free up muscles or do an adjustment like a chiropractor w- would, um, which are very manual techniques, with Bowen, we just do the moves and basically it stimulates the body's healing response. So we're just giving the body an input or a signal with mm-hmm. the moves. And then leave the body for two to five minutes and people often feel different sensations like warmth or tingling, um, pins and needles, coldness, heaviness, um, as it's kind of integrating and doing what it needs to do for that person. It's yeah. certainly one of the most relaxing yeah, um, therapies I think I've had, but but it's effective as well, so one can't quite believe it's actually doing anything, but it certainly does. Yes. So, yeah, yeah I, and, I, mm. and I make it a point to explain that to people, especially mm. in their first session, if they've had a lot of other therapies, I say, well, look, you know, you, you're probably going to think that, oh, how can this possibly be doing anything? You're barely mm. touching me. Mm-hmm. But I just say, just be patient and, and just see. Mm. And, um, yeah, and people people get it after a little while. Yeah. And the sorts of ailments that people, because it's not just muscular or, um, or skeletal, is it, at all? I mean, it's autoimmune diseases and all sorts of things, isn't it? And yeah, yeah, yeah um, that's right. So I see a lot of people with um, fibromyalgia, so chronic mm. conditions, chronic fatigue, uh, Parkinson's disease. Um, Is it very effective for Parkinson's? For Parkinson's? I've seen a lot of people over the years. I did my initial research in Parkinson's, and that's how they've always seemed to come to me. And mm. and, and it does. Some people with Parkinson's notice the differences. Um, I have one man who's been coming to me for about two years, and he saw another bone practitioner for about six years mm-hmm. prior to that. And he explains it that... He, he's known other men with Parkinson's for several other men with Parkinson's um, for many years, and he's deteriorated much more slowly than they have. Mm-hmm. So that's how he judges it. Yeah. He, he himself doesn't notice anything in his body except for he's more relaxed, right. but he's definitely noticed a slower deterioration. Mm. Yeah, that's so that keeps him, keeps him coming back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And am I right in saying you're still the, you're the president of the Bowen um is it um, the Bowen Society? Or the it's Bowen? a Bowen, Bowen Association. Bowen Association. Uh, I, no, I was. I've, right. I stepped down from that. Um, right. Yeah, but I did have my, my turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And are there a lot of burn therapists around Australia? I mean, it started in yeah. Australia. It started it? in yeah. Australia. Mm-hmm. Tom Bowen, he mm-hmm. was from Geelong. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it was, yeah, he developed it up until his death in about 1982. Right. And so, yeah, there are. There's... Um, there's about I think there's about 700 in the Bowen Association, but there's a lot that only do it kind of part time mm-hmm. or just on friends and family, uh, or as it's like their third or fourth or fifth modality because yeah. they've learned so quite many. a few. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not very many who kind of really that's that's their main modality, and they've got a whole um, clinic 
established around that. Right. So, right. Okay. Yeah. And you've recently started in cranial sacral therapy as well. I have, yeah. On adults, you're saying mostly at this stage. And how does that how does that help them? Does that help them at an emotional level as well as a physical level? Yeah. Mm. So I, I've found um, that it's 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 one of the it was Bowen therapy and craniosacral that I initially had um, in 2000, and it's I've always wanted to learn craniosacral as well, and it took me about 18 years to be able to do so. Right. But I'm very very pleased that I'm actually practicing it now, um, and it it, it it it's it's really opened up new ways of working with people for me. Yeah, it's, it's really. Um, very, uh, it's opened up my in- intuition quite a bit. Right. And yeah, it's really great for pinpointing um, where people are holding trauma mm-hmm. and going right to that spot and helping to be able to release it. Okay. So, um, so there's that aspect, and also because we learn a lot of um, anatomy and a lot of working with the actual cranium, so anything like headaches, migraines, or TMJ, uh, jaw issues, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. It's really very helpful for okay. helps really diagnose what's going on. Wonderful. Mm. Yeah. And the meditation. I mean, that's something you're really uh, you love, and you run yeah. you run classes um, several times a week. Um, there are a lot of people looking to be taught how to meditate or meditating mm-hmm. on their own at the moment. What kind of what makes you your classes a bit different to others? Yeah, well, yeah, there are lots of different types of meditation. Mm. And, yeah, you're right, I think there's more than ever, there's more more people looking to do meditation. Um, yeah, well, I have a very practical, very grounded approach to meditation, mm-hmm. really uh, focusing, uh, getting people to focus on the sensation in their body, first of all. And to me, that's so important. There's a lot of meditations that, get you to use your imagination for example to imagine that you're next to a waterfall or a peaceful place and that can be useful for the body to relax physiologically Um, but I think it's kind of limited to that it doesn't allow people to actually go deeper because they're still creating images with the mind and so I like in my in the meditation that I teach to get people out of their mind actually get them into the sensation of their body and um, yeah, I say that it's it, it provides a, an anchor point mm-hmm. for people's attention because um, 99% of the time people's attention is going to whatever, whatever they're thinking or whatever they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's just focused on that all the time. So there's there's no peace. It's just a washing machine going around and around. Um, but so focusing on the sensation, it gives, it gives them something that's tangible, something they can actually connect with, and that's something that's more real than, and steady. Mm-hmm. And so that just allows the mind to slow down, gives them a bit of space from their mind and emotions, and uh, yeah, just um, allows them to, to really come into their body to relax and get the perspective and the clarity um, because they do have some bit of distance of, between the, the thinking and the feeling. Yeah. So. And do you find that they're going away and managing to do it at home on their own as well? I mean, yeah. you, you do a series of classes, I mentioned. Yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a, a eight-week term. Right. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, that's been one of the challenges is I've been meditating for a long time, mm. but actually, um, so I've been 
teaching meditation for about six years, so Nat's really been learning about how to facilitate it. And one of the challenging aspects is is getting people engaged mm -hmm. so that they actually do the meditation during the week. Um, and also in the class we have um, each week, if we have a different handout with a different exercise, mm -hmm. and that's geared towards um, really bringing that meditative state into their everyday life. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. actually not just feeling peaceful when they're meditating or half an hour afterwards, but really br doing what they need to do to bring that. In. Yeah. 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 So, but it's, it's working. I, I it's definitely, um, more and more people are doing it now and have come up with different ways and of getting people engaged. And because it's a group environment, um, you know, everyone kind of reports in each week and they, they hear each other's questions and they, yeah, they, it's a really, um, the group, really offers a lot that people don't get when they're at just doing it at home yeah yeah um, so yeah the whole energy changes doesn't it when you've got you know people doing it together I think and um, mm. and there does seem to be a whole I mean a, a real groundswell of all ages I think actually looking for meditation I mean mm. mindfulness is another way of talking about people endlessly talking about mindfulness I mean, why do you think that is yeah, well, I, I think it's it's a reflection of um, the the world as it is today, and all the the um, just craziness and stress mm -hmm. that um, yeah people are yeah they're they're really looking at ways that they can help themselves yeah. to cope, and uh, yeah, it's it's um, you know ideally we wouldn't have to meditate; we would just be in a in an environment that naturally. Um, brought about that meditative state and we would just be communed in that and, and you know be devo devotional in that mm. but that's just not how it is so we we actually need everyone needs the formal meditation mm. to to um to counter all the other messages that we're getting and that's why i encourage people in the, in the meditation class i can encourage them to keep coming back mm. term after term because um there's so many other messages coming from different directions that, yeah. you know having this each week you know, it just helps counter that. Mm. So. I mean, do you think there is a way, if there are a lot more people, do you think there is a way that we might start over, I don't know, in the future, actually getting back to that kind of way? I mean, I know there's so much, there's so much drama around what's kind of happened in the past, you know, and I've talked about this before with other people on these podcasts, and then there's so much anxiety um, about what's going to happen in the future, particularly around, I suppose, you know, finances and children and um, mm -hmm. jobs, all of the, all of that kind of stuff. How, apart from meditation, if people are not necessarily going to look down that route, but they're going to, how can we be more present? Do you think? Okay. Yeah. Well, certainly. Um, yeah, meditation isn't. It's just a means to, you know, it's it's not an end in itself, mm -hmm. really. Um, well, yeah, so I think, but I think you'd, you'd need to um, practice some sort of, some sort of practice if it's not just being kind to other people mm -hmm. and practice, um, you know, really looking at and facing your own emotions and what comes up um, for you and, and not just taking it out on other people and blaming them, but, mm -hmm. but really having some, some insight and... Um, because that that is the most important thing. That really is. Um, I mean, I've gone through long periods where I haven't meditated formally, 
mm. but I'm still every day um, very vigilant of what's you know what's arising in me and 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 uh, how it is in, in, in my own inner state. Mm. So I think that is that is the most important. And um, if you're not able to do that very very well or very clearly, or if you've got a lot of stressors happening. It makes it hard to do that, and that's where meditation can help because it actually allows that, allows you to go a bit deeper, deeper. be, be mm-hmm. below the actual, because the actual surface, because it's um, it's like being on holiday, really. I mean, if you go on holiday, you you do just relax and let go, and you're able to sink down below the surface. You're like, oh gosh, how could I have been so mm-hmm. crazy? You know, mm-hmm. if it's a relaxing holiday, I mean, <laughs> not just one where you're still busy as can be. Yes. Um, so, I mean, meditation gives that ability while you're actually having to go to work every day and, and so on. Yeah. So there actually, yeah, there needs to be that space. Um, and it's really it's reconnecting to ourselves as opposed to being yeah. so connected to everything else. That's all right. That, all that, that kind of sense that one's connected to everything else when actually there's no connection really. It's just a, just dashing from one thing to another or our thoughts are dashing from one thing to another even if we're not physically moving i think that's why getting out into nature and just walking and being yeah. aware that's of right. what's around us when we're doing that is so important yes. as well so mm. that's that's the mm. other thing that's mm. yeah i forgot to <laughs> didn't, didn't occur. yeah but but actually being in nature that really yeah. connects us mm. much mm. more easily and, yeah and do you think that's one of the real i mean i again many just come up so often but the, the young people um and the um sort of a- epidemic of anxiety and I mean, it's labeled, labeled depression um, where do you feel that's kind of coming from well I, I it seems that well it's just the accumulation um, from you know each generation to the next where we're feeling more and more unsteady and, and those people who didn't have proper parenting now you know have to be parents so they're kind of in, you know, in a place that they're less equipped than the generation before, and so the kids are just, you know, they're not feeling that security and comfort and that they need. Um, and also, they they get all the, the dreadful news all the mm-hmm. time that we have. There's they're such a huge burden on them that you know, if they don't change things, the planet's going to collapse. So there's this sort of weight of guilt, isn't there? Yeah, it's, yes, around them. Yeah. And, and lack of um, self-esteem, I think, and self-worth as well. Which, mm. yeah. yeah, so it's a bit. I mean, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> in a way. Yeah. But um, but I think that's what's so marvelous. That so many more people are therefore looking um, for for um, other ways. Yeah, to to kind of maintain maintain the connection and and yeah. and what you're doing is you know is helping people do that. And just going back to the physical. Um, there also is an increase in autoimmune diseases, um, in particular. Mm. I think. I mean, I know you know we know that we all know that cancer and heart disease is also on the increase. But it seems to me that autoimmune diseases are becoming more and more prevalent, um, and more mm. and more serious ones as well. You're not just hearing um, about things that perhaps don't affect one every day, but lupus and um, I can never say, but Sjogren's disease, things like that seem to be. And, and where do you think? That, what, what do you think the causes are? that those yeah well there's I mean there's so many more stressors in the environment that we have to contend with 
Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I think you, you can't just kind of live an ordinary life now and expect your health to be okay because there's all the electromagnetic frequencies that are around, um, mobile phones, there's, I mean, you've heard it all before, there's mm. all the pesticides and mm. on and on and on. There's all these um, environmental stressors. Um, and it's just, I think it's just weakening the constitutions over time. Mm-hmm. And um, Wes, Weston A. Price, he did, he was a dentist uh, from, I think he was kind of early 1900s, and he did a, um, a study because he, he was interested in why uh, people's jaws weren't as sort of um, resilient and strong as they used to be. So he, he studied indigenous cultures and found that they have really quite strong jaws and very solid. And it, it was, he, he came down, it was down to the diet that they ate. Right. And how um, he showed that after each generation, um, over four generations, the constitution were, was getting weaker and weaker in, the, in, in each generation because of the processed foods and sugars mm. and everything we're eating mm. these days and all the, and all the grains and, and so on. So... Um, yeah, that's that's a big part of it as well. This is the food that we're eating. Mm. Yeah. So did, when you said the jaw, so they would have been chewing an awful lot more. Chewing, then, yeah. Because a lot more fiber and that sort of thing. I yeah, that's that. chewing more. And, and also it's a representation of having a, a stronger overall constitution right, I as see. well. Okay. So, okay. Mm. Um, yeah, it's some remarkable research that he mm. did. Mm. Yeah. It is actually a point. I know that's not what all you would... But the chewing... Um, <laughs> I went... There's a wonderful... Um, uh, integrative medical centre in Mexico called uh, Sanaviv, where I, that oh, I've yes. been to, that I went to with my brother, and there they they give lectures in the evening for those who are up to it. And um, but chewing, they say we should be chewing, and you've probably heard this before, but chewing every mouthful of food. I think it was twenty five times, and um, but they should, you know, if you're chewing processed food, if you're chewing, chewing pasta or white bread mm. or whatever, it's actually dissolved in your mouth within sort of two or three chews anyway. There's nothing left. Um, yes. And then it turns to sugar, obviously, in the body, doesn't it? But, <laughs> yeah, it does. but that was a real eye opener. They gave us they gave us a few different things to chew, and they they said you cannot swallow it until you chewed it twenty five times. But it was there. It was really interesting. And also, then it gets the um, the gastric juices because our digestion starts in the mouth, doesn't it? Actually, too. So yeah, mm. and the, and the mm. jaw is a powerful. Um, place not just physically, but mm. but also because of the meridians that run through it. Um, mm. And also the trigeminal nerve, um, yeah, it's it that that having a strong jaw is really good for your overall health. Right. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. Now you've just come back from a wonderful trip to Bali. Oh, ba- it was Bali, was it? it yes, was, Bali, yes. and doing a retreat. Um, <laughs> do you do those often? And, and is it something um, you'd actually like to run it yourself? I well, yeah, I have thought of that. Mm. I, I mean, I've I don't. Um, go to Bali for retreats often but I do go mm. to retreats once or twice a year mm. and uh, yeah it's my favorite time mm. it, it, I just I just love love them yeah um, <laughs> and yeah I've had the idea of running a retreat at some point um, yeah not a few other ideas I think need to come first but um, well I just enjoy going to them so that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just an opportunity to really go much deeper and really gain greater integration and greater insight and greater clarity in my own life and then that's really the springing board to be able to keep me inspired and helping people and be able to help 
in in newer new ways and deeper in different ways, deeper mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you. Actually, what gets you excited to sort of get up in the morning about what you do? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's it's um, um, yeah, definitely um, helping people. But I found that that's not necessarily enough. It, it's really uh, applying and learning new ways, keeping it, keeping things fresh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really an important aspect. So retreats and workshops and yeah. that sort of thing. So I was going, yeah, so what's next? Have you got a kind of vision, a five-year vision at this stage? Oh, right, five-year vision, <laughs> wow. Um, so, well, I, I find that the the meditation classes are just evolving organically. I'm continuing to develop them in new ways and people are just coming. So I, I find, I'm not sure what's around the corner with, with, with those, but... I can see that it's going to continue to develop in, in one way or another. I've actually started um, doing some one-on-one mentoring with it as well. Oh, have you? Mm-hmm. So that's just I was that's just something that um, I was asked to do, and mm. so it, it happens. And mm. um, yeah, so yeah, I'm still looking at that. I, I run a clinic on my own at the moment, but so there's the idea of possibly expanding and working with other practitioners. Mm-hmm. In the, in the same clinic and yeah um, mm. that's that's all it's on the horizon <laughs> no, at the moment fantastic. yeah let's see how it yeah. unfolds there's a lot of new things already coming in so I'm kind of integrating those yeah, at the moment it's exciting yeah mm. and if people want to contact you Joshua how do they do that what's the best way for them to get in touch yes well uh, you can have a look on my website mm-hmm. that's uh, whole bean that's I'll spell that for you w-h-o-l-e B-E-I-N-G dot com dot A-U and I've got um, my email address and phone number there. Be, Great. Yeah. I'll put, and I'll put a link to those on the show notes yeah. as well. But um, okay. I'm very grateful to you for sitting down with me today. Mm, I highly recommend having experienced your bow and myself. It's, uh, it's an amazing, amazing way to heal. And um, yeah, I highly recommend a visit if you're in Sydney. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank Joshua. you very much, Kate. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. Thank you for joining me, Kate Kinjal and Joshua Rasko on the Remarkableness podcast today. I highly recommend a visit to Joshua if you're in Sydney. Um, and if you'd like to contact him, his website is wholebeing.com.au. See you next time.